You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. What a beautiful thought that came just then in the Holy Spirit that uh, you and I are meant to walk in the kissing, be kissed with heaven's blessing. Just never saw that before. I thought, oh, every time I see my, my little princess, my little 12-year-old, she's just at that perfect height where I can just kiss her right on the head. Even though, I'm not sure what happens at 12, but Daddy, a year ago, I was like the coolest thing. And now she rolls her eyes all the time. I'm like, what changed? I went from like, yeah, yeah, your dad's cool. And now one year later, I'm like, what happened? Anyway. It's great to see Hector. How are you, sir? You're doing good? You look great. Married to a beautiful woman, hey? Come on, beautiful Elise. How good was Scotty Husserow? Fresh oil. Shell of a man, marries Jenny, and now look at him. Absolutely incredible. Well, <laughs> hey, come with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15. The title of this message today is... Overcoming the barriers. Yes, overcoming the barriers to breakthrough. I always send it and forget what I sent through. So I'm not sure if you've noticed this. I'm not sure if you've noticed that when you first got saved, it was like every prayer you prayed got answered. And, you know, every time you open the Bible, it's like, oh, my God, that's exactly, you know, you could do roulette Bible. You just, that's what? Like, you know, it's just kind of. But then, then, then maybe like six months in, it's kind of like, you know, God takes the training wheels off. You're like, what happened? Oh, it was so easy. You know, and, and I'm not sure if you've realized that sometimes it's, it seems like there are barriers to your miracle. There are barriers to your breakthrough. And so I want to read this story and then I want to give you three, three thoughts to help you. We're doing a series at the moment called Culture Code. And the reason that the team decided this would be a really good uh, series to do is because we have so many people that, that come into church, come into a relationship with Christ over Easter every year. Massive time of harvest in churches. But a lot of people come into the church and, and we don't kind of slow all the cogs and all the machinery down long enough to explain to people, uh, you know, what the, what's going to happen on this, this wonderful ship. And, you know, we did a carnival cruise a few years ago and the first thing they did was explain where everything was and how everything works and... And I kind of feel like, well, that's kind of like church, you know. I know that there are days where it feels like we're a battleship. But if I was honest with you, uh, we are a battleship, but we're also a cruise ship. And you should have the best time of your life. And your kids should be loving kids' church and your young ones loving, you know, youth. And uh, you should be loving the best days of your life. And but sometimes we don't take the time. And so the team thought, let's do a series called Culture Code so you can catch the culture, which is really the why behind the what. So today you're going to love this message. So come with me, Matthew 15, 21. Then Jesus went out from there to the region of Tyre and Sidon and behold, a woman of Canaan, a woman of Canaan. Notice it doesn't say a woman of Israel, a woman of Canaan. So they were going to inherit the whole land of Canaan, the Israelites we're going to drive out the Canaanites. The Canaanites were going to be evicted and Israel was going to take over. And a woman of Canaan 
came from that region and cried out to Jesus saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Verse 23, But Jesus answered her, Not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Then Jesus said, uh, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Her daughter was healed from that very hour. Not sure if you noticed, but there were three obstacles that that young lady had to go through. And, uh, and I want to just kind of highlight those, those for you and I today, because in this church, we don't just uh, kind of believe in miracles, we depend on them. We depend on them. When Leanne and I landed here with three little boys and some suitcases 15 years ago, we, we didn't just believe that God does miracles, we depended on the fact that God does miracles. And so you can move into another zone. But there are, there are some things that you're going to learn that, to access God. God's power has not waned. When you read the Bible, whether it's Old Testament, whether it's the book of Acts, I want you to know he's the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we don't buy into cessation theology where, you know, God once had power, but, you know, he's kind of short-circuited or he's ran out of juice. He's ran it. He's pooped. You know, he's got nothing left. We've got to wait till the next millennium till he catches his breath again. I need you to understand that God is all powerful, all day, every day. But there are some things that we need to we need to learn. So here Jesus is in this region, and this woman comes to him and and she cries out, Jesus, son of David, or Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is at home and she's severely demon-possessed. What's interesting is she's a Canaanite, but she recognizes Jesus as the Messiah because the Messiah was prophesied that he would come through the seed of David. So she is saying, I recognize you as the Hamashiach. I recognize you as the Messiah. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. And the Bible says something very, very interesting, that Jesus answers her not a word. Now, if you talk to, to any theologian or any pastor, and because I got saved on a beach, I had to kind of learn everything the hard way. But most theology says this, that uh, if you want God to answer, it's a good thing to have a prayer life. It's a good thing to have a prayer life. And then if you're praying, it kind of helps if you're praying to the right God. <laughs> this woman is not only praying, crying out, but she's crying out to Jesus. She's not crying out to Buddha. She's not crying out to Allah. She's crying out to the one true God. She's crying out to Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior. Then, you know, then we've kind of probably all heard that, you know, we shouldn't pray selfish prayers. You know, we shouldn't, you know, she's not asking, you know, oh, Lord, you know, give me a super yacht like Jeff Bezos. <laughs> I could keep up with the Joneses or I could keep up with the Bezoses. So I'd like a, one of those, you know, she's not praying for a super yacht. She's praying for her daughter who is severely 
demon-possessed. Now, the Bible says in 1 John 3, 8, that for this reason, Jesus appeared on earth to destroy the works of the devil. So we know that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So, so if the devil is gripping her daughter and Jesus loves family, Jesus said, hey, let the little children come unto me when the disciples were trying to shoo them away. Like, he's too busy for kids. This is serious grown-up stuff. And they were trying to, you know, and, he's, and he had scolded the disciples. He said, what are you doing? Leave them alone. Suffer them not. Let them come unto me. For the kingdom belongs. Unless you become like one of these, you'll never enter the kingdom, you little scallywags. <laughs> Jesus says, I tell you, anybody that causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it'd be better for him if you had two choices. Hmm, do I cause a little child to sin or tie a millstone around my neck and jump off a bridge into the lake? Take option B. So Jesus loves children. So this woman is praying for her daughter. She's praying against the works of the devil. She's praying to the right God and she's crying out in faith. You would think, like every theologian would tell you, bing, 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 this woman is going to get her prayers answered. And yet the Bible says Jesus answers her not a word. What do you do when you do everything right, but it seems like wrong keeps coming? It seems like heaven is silent. Point number one is shatter the silence. Shatter the silence. I want to teach you how to shatter the silence. So, so understand this. Like when I first got saved, the, the, the gentleman who led me to Christ was only, he was only, you know, he was still a baby Christian himself. So he was maybe just one or two steps ahead. And this one day we were going for a surf and, and we are just contemplating prayer, Hector. He was like talking to me about prayer. And he's like, yeah, I don't understand. Like we were at this Christian surface meeting and all these, you know, older Christians, all these mature Christians were praying for the same thing they were praying a week ago. And he says to me, you know, it's not like God's death. It's not like God's, you know, got amnesia. Like why do we need to keep reminding God over and over? And I'm like, yeah. And then I'm reading in the Bible where it says that God knows our prayers before we even pray them. I'm like, man, that's awesome because I was going to pray for two hours this morning. But if you already know what I'm going to pray, just get on with it and that'll save me. That's good time management. But, but that's broken because Jesus in Luke 19 teaches on prayer. And the Bible says, and he told them this parable to teach them about persistence in prayer. And he said, there was a certain judge in a certain place who neither feared God nor regarded man. But there was a certain widow in that place who daily came to him, begging him for justice. And day after day after day, the judge would have his security detail throw her out of the courtroom, throw her out of the court. But every day, every day, like to the point where, you know, it's 9 a.m. They're about to open the court doors and he's under the table and he's <laughs> like this. And he's like, oh, dear God, no, no. And then the doors open and he's got to get secure. The Bible says it came day after day after day after day that this widow was coming. That finally, he says, all right. And he grants her justice. Then Jesus says, likewise, men ought to always pray and not lose heart. May I just tell you that Jesus is not describing the Father. Jesus is not saying that the God couldn't give a rip. That's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is doing is he's, he's interpreting the data. 
he's, he's, he's getting a configurative analysis of what is happening in the spiritual dimension. God is a righteous, holy, loving God who is your father and a judge. But Jesus is trying to tell you that there's something in between God in heaven and you on earth. The Bible calls this realm the heavenly realm, the heavenly places. The Bible says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. In Ephesians 6 verse 12, it says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against other human beings, but we, but we wrestle against principalities and powers, against thrones and dominions and the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So I need your understanding between you on earth and God in heaven, there's a realm called the heavenly places. And when Jesus is trying to explain why you may find some resistance in prayer, the resistance is not reluctance from God. Your, your sensory perceptions will, will pick it up as though it seems that God is a judge that neither regards the things of men, neither cares about your pain and your struggles and is indifferent to the things that you're facing. But Jesus is trying to tell us that that is not the case, that God is good all the time and all the time God is good. But he's trying to tell us that there's an obstructionist. He's trying to tell us that there's a devil who is resisting breakthrough. He's trying to teach us that we need to clothe ourselves with persistence to overcome resistance. In, in Daniel chapter 10, in Daniel chapter 10, the Bible tells a story. There's been 70 years of captivity. Jeremiah prophesied that Israel, because of their disobedience, would end up in Babylon, serving the Babylonians for 70 years while Israel had a Shabbat, had a Sabbath. And Israel, the city and everything would lie dormant. But after 70 years are over... Jerusalem, the walls would be rebuilt, the cities would be inhabited, the vineyards and everything would flow again with new wine and life would return to Israel after 70 years. It's now the 73rd year and they started rebuildings. They started, Nehemiah, Ezra had started rebuilding, they'd started the temple, but because of three guys, Sanballat the Horonite, Tobias the Ammonite and Gershom the Arab, that because they'd created such a ruckus, they got into King Darius's ear and he's like, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't need this. And he just shuts everything down. Daniel is perplexed because he, he doesn't see anywhere in the scriptures where it says it's going to be shut down. He just sees 70 years and then everything's going to operate again. So Daniel goes into prayer. And the Bible says after 21 days, after three weeks, it says, I, Daniel, in those days I, I was fasting. I didn't drink wine. I didn't eat meat or nothing sweet just water and vegetables for three weeks. He says, and on the 21st day, after three full weeks, Gabriel came. An angel came to me in a vision. And the Bible says, when Gabriel came, he says, oh, Daniel, greatly beloved. Man, God is impressed with you. That's what greatly beloved means. He says, I want you to know, Daniel, that on the very first day, everyone say first day. He says, I want you to know on the very first day that you humbled yourself to pray, your prayer was heard in heaven and I was dispatched. I was sent in response to your prayer. However, the reason it took 21 days for me to get through is because the prince 
of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days. Because a principality over this region, because the demonic prince, one of the the angels, one of the one third of the angels that followed Lucifer, that that is positioned as an authority over this region, he was blocking me for 21 days. He says, but Daniel, because you didn't back up, because you didn't let up, because you didn't give up, but because you stepped up and didn't just pray, but added fasting to your prayer because you saw the word, you saw the word, you know that God is not a man that he should lie. And yet when you looked out, it looked like the word was being frustrated. It looked like what God had said was being resisted. But instead of giving up on the word, you stepped up on that word and you began to double down with prayer and fasting. Jesus said, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. There are moments in your life, there are moments in my life, in Leanne's life, and there have been moments in the life of our church. That's why every January we we begin the year with fasting. We begin the year with fasting. Because there are certain demonic princes that are only deposed through fasting. There There are some things that only shift through prayer and fasting. And so he says, because you didn't back up, quit, give up. He says, but double down with prayer and fasting, Michael, the great prince, the protector of Israel. Michael in in Jewish theology and culture is the, the, the archangel who is given sole responsibility to watch over the tribes of Israel. He says, because of your prayer and fasting, Daniel, you release the big guns. God said to Michael, go. And so Michael came with his giant wingspan, came down and took on the prince of Persia so that Gabriel was able to go get through and come down to Daniel. He says, I must show you things which are to take place after this. Can I just tell you that it's persistence that overcomes resistance. There are going to be times where you pray. There are going to be times where you're doing everything right. Man, I'm praying the right prayers. I'm praying to the right God. I'm I'm not praying selfish prayers. I'm praying godly prayers. I'm praying for the things that are the will of God. I'm praying for the... But why does it feel like heaven is ignoring me? Why does it feel like that the, the heavens are brass? Can I just tell you, double down, double down, double down, double down. Say, you know what, devil? We're going we're gonna to fast wine. We're going to fast coffee. We're going to fast... Just stick some fasting in there and watch what happens. Watch what happens. So the Bible says... <clears throat> I love this. Jesus answers her not a word, so she goes to the disciples. She goes to the church, and they're like, oh, we can't handle her. If Jesus can't do anything, what can we do? And so she cries out after us. So now Jesus, Jesus turns to her. After the disciples come, send her away. She's crying out after us. So Jesus says, all right. He says, woman, come here. Listen, listen. He said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, how many people here have ever heard that, you know, God answers all of our prayers? He answers all of our prayers, but sometimes that answer is now. Everyone ever heard that? You know, the Lord answers our prayers, but sometimes the answer is now. And we don't know why the Lord answers now, but, you know, he moves in mysterious ways. (laughs) The answer is, well, he just said, you know, darling, now. I was not sent except to the lost sheep. He's like, are you an Israelite? She's like, no, I'm a Canaanite. He's like, exactly, now. 
In other words, it's not my will. So right there, she got her word. She got her answer, nya. But what I like about it, or in Russian, nyeet, what I like about this woman is her response. He says to her, it's not my will. Verse 25 says, then she came and, then she came and, hang on, hang on, whoa, 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 hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> she came and worshipped. She got a no. See, so many Christians have God on a performance contract. We, we literally say to, to God, God, <laughs> I know that you're the one true God. And, and uh, you know, we, we, we learned that in Sunday school. And, and, uh, but I just, I just want to remind you, there are, a, there are a plethora of other gods. There are a plethora of other gods that I could worship. And <laughs> not that I want to, but just in case you decide to take a vacation, a day off, or not answer my prayers, I need to remind you that Buddha, like, there are a plethora of other gods. Jefe, would you say that I have a plethora? <laughs> oh, si, sí, el guapo, you have a plethora of piñatas. Jefe, do you even know what a plethora is? El guapo, could it be that you are angry? Anyway, and so, the three amigos, it's, it's an old movie. She comes and worships when she gets a no. He, he, he said, it's not my will. And so she worships. Most people, when they get a no, it's the fetal position, sucking the thumb. It's the, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. It's the, she, she comes and worships. She worships when she gets a no. Like, first she's praying. He ignores her. Then, then he says, no, not my will, and she worships. Do you know, every time Israel in the Old Testament went to battle, every single time Israel went to battle, they would, they would get the priest. The priest would come, put the ephod on, and they would inquire of the priest, which of the 12 tribes shall go up first against the Philistines? Which of the tribes shall go up first against the Amalekites? Which of the tribes shall go up first against the Midianites? Which of the tribes? And every single time, you read it in the Bible, every single time God says, Judah, 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 Judah. It wasn't because God's like, I can't stand them. Let's kill them off. That's not what it was. The name Judah means praise. God says, you always go into battle with praise. You always begin with praise. If you will praise at the beginning, you'll have something to praise about at the end. You, you don't wait till the victory and then praise. You just start praising. Many times the Bible says, and as they began to praise God, the Lord sent ambushes amongst the enemy. We, we, we don't praise after the breakthrough. Praise always precedes breakthrough. They praised God with a shout and then the walls of Jericho came down. Paul and Silas were beaten and then chained and they praised God and then the chains were broken. They were in a prison cell with locked iron doors and as they praised, an earthquake shook and busted open the cells and busted open the doors. Praise always precedes breakthrough. The reason that she comes and worships and the reason this is in our Bible is because you need to understand that God is not a formula. He, he's not a force. 
He, he, he's, he's not this kind of mystical, disconnected creature or being. He's, he can be moved. He can be wooed. I remember years ago, many years ago, Leanne and I were, we just, we were just in one of those seasons where we just couldn't see eye to eye. And you may not know this, Elise, but Leanne is very strong. She comes across all sweet and innocent. Oh, you're what? Yeah, but she is. She's punched me in the face on the freeway. I almost wrecked the car. True story. True story. One time we're having an argument. I'm shampooing my hair and I'm just arguing. The next minute, um, I heard the shower door open and open one eye because, you know, the shampoo's coming down. And then that eye, like this. Like, true story. She is feisty. And so... So we're having this argument. We're having this. We're having an argument, and I know. I know what the Bible says. The problem is that most of the time, you know, I got to get saved again, and so, so I know. Don't let the sun go. But we, you know, there've been three days where I let the sun go down on her wrath, and you know, and she'd roll it. You know, like and so this day I'm going to work, and I think you know she wants to, and I'm like no, you know, I'm still got grudges and bitterness towards her, and so I go to, and she kept trying to ring, and I just kept hanging up the phone, and uh, immature. You know, and then I knew, I knew after work I had to go home. I had to go home. And so I'm like, oh. And I'm thinking, okay, I've got to go home. I've got to go home. And I thought, you know, a couple of responses. When I walk in, she may, you know, it could be, it could be on again. <laughs> she could, you know, karate roundhouse, you know. Or, or I, could, I could walk in the front door, you know, open the front door, and she could be standing there in that beautiful red dress at the bottom of the stairwell. And I could like, like you know, pretend like you know, still like play hard to get, you know, and go walking past. And she could swing and grab me by the arm and spin me around and go, because I'm your lady and you are my man. Whenever you reach for me, I do all that I can with. I mean, now that has never happened. That probably never will happen. It's a fantasy of mine and I'm keeping it. That's one of my prayer goals. But, but if she did that, how many people know it would be really hard to stay mad? It would be really hard to... You need to understand that, that, that worship is the romance of your relationship with God. That, that, that even if God had said no... Even if God says, no, it's not my will, and you begin to worship, and he's like, and you're worshiping, and you come behind him in worship, and he's just said, no, and he, you're worshiping, I want you to know you can move the heart of God. You can move the I honestly believe there are some times you'll get a soft no just to see whether you I, I, I don't like this class theology. I didn't, that's not, ooh, you got to be careful. Calvin, Calvin. The depravity of man has no effect on God. Really? I'd believe that if I didn't read the Bible. Jonah goes to Nineveh. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. He hated the Ninevites. 
He was glad the Assyrians were going to be wiped out by the judgment of God. He was glad. And then the king of Nineveh, when he heard the word of Jonah, put on sackcloth and ashes and proclaimed a fast throughout the entire kingdom of Nineveh so that Jonah, his prophetic word, didn't come to pass. So what happens when a prophet prophesies and it doesn't come to pass? We would call him a false prophet. Satan said, the day you eat of that tree, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God knowing good and evil. And the Bible says they ate the fruit and their eyes were open and they knew good from evil. But let me tell you, Satan is the false prophet. Jonah's the true prophet. Just wanted to throw that out there to mess your heads. Mess up your theology a little bit. But because the king of Nineveh repented, it moved the heart of God. And later, Jonah is ticked. He is ticked with God. And God's like, what's the matter with you? He says, oh, you killed my plant. Because you care more about your own flipping plant and your shade than you care about an entire city full of people who don't know their right hand from their left. How much more should I have compassion when they repent? Hannah, the Bible says the Lord closed her womb. Twice it says the Lord closed her womb. Yet she goes to the house of God. Most theologians would tell you, well, you know, we don't understand why God does this, but God moves in mysterious ways or, you know, maybe God. But the Bible says that when everyone else left and went back to the feast, she stayed there and she poured out her complaint. She wasn't, God, I'm not, I ain't leaving. I, I ain't leaving this house till you open what you close. If you closed it, I believe you can open it. And the Lord opened her womb and she brought forth Samuel. I want you to understand that sometimes you're going to get a soft no just to see what you do with it. But in that time, go to the next level. Go to the next level in worship. Just begin to praise God. Just be begin to worship God. Then, watch this. So now she's worshiping. Lord, help me. Jesus answered, verse 26, and said to her, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Right there, you would say, right, that's, that's, that's it. That's, okay. First you ignore her. Then you go all racist, saying because you're not an Israelite. You know, I mean, you could see CNN. CNN would have a field day. <laughs> Down there, we're here in Galilee, and you've probably all heard about the Messiah. Well, do we have a story from you? People are going around saying that the Messiah is good, that God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Well, come over here, sweetheart. Tell us your story. Well, I've, I've got a little daughter at home, and she's all demonized. You know, quick, let's get a shot. You know, they're in the background in the studio messing up her hair and poking her in there. You know, it's like she's all manifesting and, and everyone in the crowd watching, oh, man, that's terrible, you know. And, uh, you know, I mean, you, you, or you can see it, you know, down at the salon. She's got, you know, got that, you know, that, that bucket thing they put on, on your head. And, uh, you know, and she's, and, you know, and she's, you know, ew, Deirdre, how'd you get on with your daughter? Oh, not, not good. What do you mean, not good? I thought you went and saw that Jesus fella. I did, but he completely ignored me. What do you mean he ignored you? He can, oh, I think all that Messiah walking on water's gone to his head. It got worse. What do you mean it got worse? It got even worse. He, he got all racist. He got racist. I knew it. Oh, no wonder Mary's become a Buddhist. Oh, it got worse. What do you, 
What do you mean it got worse? He called me names. He called you names? What did he call you? He called me a little dog. He what? I mean... <laughs> now listen, I've, I've heard these, you know, these preachers try and help Jesus. Can I tell you, don't help him. He, he, he can own his own words. You know, I've heard these preachers say, well, you know, in some cultures, you know, calling someone a little dog is an affectionate. Really? Which culture? Just try it. Try it. Go, go to Sprouts or Trader Joe's or Ralph's, you know, and as you're at the checkout, say, thank you, little chihuahua face. <laughs> there is no culture on the planet where calling someone a little dog is affectionate. Jesus said it's not good to take the children's bread and toss it to the little dogs. He ignores her. He excludes her. And now he offends her. Can I just tell you, in church, you will have opportunity to get offended. <laughs> it's not intentional. It's just realistic. There will be moments, now we, we, we try not to offend people, but if I was honest with you, if I was honest with you, I know that, that, that Jesus said offenses must come. But blessed are those who are not offended because of me. You know, I know so many people, well, you know, I don't go to church anymore, I got hurt in church. I got hurt snowboarding. Still love skiing and snowboarding. I got food poisoning from eating out in a restaurant. Still eat out in a restaurant. I got hurt in a relationship. I'm happily married 29 years. Like, life, are you, what are you talking about? So she could have got offended. She could have got offended, and nobody would have blamed her. That, oh, he ignored you. Then he said, you know, because you're not Jewish, you're not good enough. And then he calls you a little dog. Absolutely, she could have got offended. She could have got offended, and everyone would have high-fived and said, yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and I've heard this over the years. I've heard people say, well, you know, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I got hurt in church. You know, the church is not the building. It's the people and, and all that. And maybe that's true. Maybe all of that's true. But you know who picks up the check? Not you. Your kids. If she would have got offended and probably could have justified being offended, her daughter would have still been severely demonized, troubled and possibly destroyed by the demonic grip that was destroying her life. But watch this, watch this. This is just mind-blowing. So when Jesus ignores her, she becomes more persistent. When Jesus says it's not, she puts on worship. When Jesus says it's not good to throw the children's bread to the little dogs and offends her, watch what she does. Watch this. Verse 27. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. In other words, Jesus, what you said hurts and offends. But Jesus, I need you to know, I've been to the psychiatrist, I've been to the clinics, I've sought the therapists, the psychologists. We've tried Ritalin. 
We've tried every drug that the pharmaceutical companies have out there. And my daughter is no better, but only worse. You may call me a little dog, but I will still call you master. Because I recognize that even the little dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And there's more power in one crumb that falls from heaven than all the institutions of the earth put together. You may call me a little dog, but I will call you Lord and I will call you master just for the opportunity that I may take one of these crumbs. And the Bible says, the Bible says, Jesus says, oh woman, Great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. And her daughter was healed in that very moment. See, if you can push through the silent heaven, if you can push through when it feels like you've got a soft no, if you can push through the moments where you're going to get hurt, you will get hurt, you will get offended. It's life. Jesus is hanging on a cross and they're gambling for His clothes. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. They weren't asking. They weren't repentant. They were neither asking for forgiveness nor deserving, but Jesus didn't go all the way to the cross to die in bitterness. He went to the cross to forgive mankind for their sin, and these guys were included. He was emanating forgiveness from the cross. Even on the cross, the people that pierced his nails, his hands with nails and his feet with the crown of thorns, he's forgiving them. He's forgiving them. In this life, you and I are never more like Christ than when we forgive. Forgiveness is an act of divinity. The greatest gift you can give is forgive, forgiveness. Well, you know, they came and apologized and, you know, paid back the... Jesus, if you do that, how are you different to the Gentiles? Even the Gentiles do that. He says, but when you forgive and they haven't repaid, when you forgive and they haven't said sorry, when you forgive and they still are a butthead, and you still forgive. Your heavenly Father sees that. Blessed are you when you are persecuted. Blessed are you when they revile you, persecute you, say nasty things about you, and you bless them. Your Father in heaven sees, and He rewards you openly. She could have got offended, and if she did, her daughter would have picked up the check, but she refused to get offended. In this life, there are going to be moments I want you to know that God is good and He is good all the time. And I want you to experience the breakthrough and the miracles. In this life, when we arrived here 15 years ago, three little boys and, and just a bunch of suitcases, we've seen God do miracle after miracle, breakthrough after breakthrough. People told us, well, this is impossible. And if you're going to do it well, you know, you need to understand in San Diego, this is impossible. But I just said, thank you. I appreciate your counsel, but I'm going to take it to Him. I'm going to take it to Him. There's an anointing on this house for you to step in to the supernatural, to step in to the breakthrough, to step in. Every January, do prayer and fasting. Just the other week, we were going through something. I should have realized, you know, we come out of Emerge, almost 2,500 men. 
don't know what I was thinking. Of course, the devil's going to come and open a can. Just came in like a flood, trying to destroy our family. And Leanne is like, you know, and my, my awesome staff, God bless my staff, they thought, hey, he just ran the biggest men's conference. Why don't we try and kill him? So they literally, hey, he could probably preach nine times in four days. He could probably do that. And then, yeah, yeah, we'll say yes to this Zoom board meeting call for two hours where he's in the weeds and then he has to go. I mean, it was just like, I'm like, oh my God. Like literally, if you wanted to put a week together to kill the pastor, that was the week. Brilliant. Well done, Einstein. Anyway, so we had to have a conversation there. But we literally come into that. It's, it's the devil's opened a can. And Leanne's like, you know what? I'm not gonna, I, I, let's do a fast. We're not gonna eat any meat. We're not gonna drink any wine for three days. So we do that. On the, the morning of the third day, I'm driving back from the beach and I get a phone call from Rex Crane. And Rex is like, man, I was in prayer this morning and I got this word for you. And he gives me the word and the word is exactly what we're going through. And he says, God is gonna present him alive to his mother and father. I felt that was for you. I get home to share the word with Leanne and Leanne's like, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? She goes, I've got a word from Jen Shipper, one of our intercessors. And she said, I saw this and I saw this. There was a piece of metal in one of your son's hearts and I saw God remove and I saw him free. Did it come before the fast? No, it came after the fast. I want you to know that what I'm teaching you is, I'm not teaching you something that I learned in a classroom. I'm teaching you what I learned in life, walking with God. And I would never, I would never waste your time when you come to church to teach you something that is just theory that doesn't work. The God that you and I serve is a God of breakthrough. He's a God of miracles. There are going to be times where it seems like God is indifferent. He's not. He is good. He is for you. There's just a resistance that you need to clothe yourself with persistence. Sometimes you just got to shatter the silence. Sometimes double down and just begin to give God praise. Just begin to give God worship. I'm telling you, worship will woo the heart of God. It will draw the heart of God. And there are sometimes, sometimes you've got to refuse. You know what? I could get offended, but I'm not going to get offended. I refuse to get offended. There's one crumb that falls... In the house of God, one crumb, one thought. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet? Father, I thank you for breakthrough. Lift your hands high to heaven. I feel an anointing for breakthrough. In a moment, we're going to open the altar. And if you need any prayer today, the ministry team's going to come. Listen, if your life's not right with Jesus, if you're away from God, you've drifted from God, you're far from God. Hey, honestly, it's so easy. The world that you and I live in is constantly trying to pull you away from God. It's doing that all the time. I found my eyes, my ears. It's constantly this, this, this thing's trying to entrap me and seduce me 24-7, 365. It's so easy for my heart to drift from God. That's why we do church every week. That's why we decided, hey, let's stick something in the middle of the week on a Wednesday as well. So devil, you ain't, have, you ain't even gonna have my heart for, for more than a couple of days. But maybe you've drifted away, come back. Maybe you've never surrendered, today is your day. But Father, you see every hand lifted. We thank you that you're the God of miracles. You're the God of breakthrough. And there was a word for some people. You've been praying for something and it's been delayed. Delayal is not denial. Delayal is not denial. It may seem like it's delayed, but it's not denied. 
keep pressing, keep pressing. Maybe, maybe just fast sweets. Maybe just, just fast something. Just double down on that. Maybe there are people here today and you just got to take your praise. I tell you what, what it's so easy to do is complain. Complaining is, it's the reverse of praising. When I'm praising, I'm declaring how great God is. When I'm complaining, I'm declaring how unfair life is. Jesus says, life and death or death and life are in the power of the tongue. Don't, don't, don't be a complainer, be a praiser. Bible says in Judah went up first, praise went up first and set ambushes amongst the set ambushes amongst your enemies. I'm telling you, every time the devil has come against me, he, he wanted me to complain. I'm like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go and get my guitar and I'm gonna praise. He's like, no, 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 the wheels just came off. Exactly. So I'm gonna go and get my guitar and I'm gonna praise. And every time I praise, ambushes amongst praise always precedes breakthrough always precedes breakthrough father we thank you we thank you for praise thank you for praise thank you for praise thank you for praise and father i thank you lord god for an unoffendable spirit an unoffendable church in jesus name thanks for listening to find out more about our locations team and what we do here at awakened church go to awakenedchurch.com